He traveled across this great big country, Coach Woodard. He made it to California, Coach Woodard. He's in Sonoma County. Don't drink up all that wine. He's Coach Woodard. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Do you have That's a song it. about Scotland? Scotland. Uh, no, I immediately thought of Danny Boy talking about the difference between Scottish <laughs> accents and Irish accents. Oh, no. He goes... So this is a Scottish accent. And then he goes, and here's an Irish accent. Diddly dee, potatoes. And uh, that was Thank his you. impression of Irish accent. <laughs> Welcome to the Backpack Show where Chris sings and does accents. But yeah. they all sound like Boston accents. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Somehow. <laughs> Irregardless. Irregardless. We're going to talk about business success. Who do we have on the show today? I mean, we have 506 people backstage, so that's a little weird. You anyway. wouldn't believe me if I told you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So um, <laughs> fashion entrepreneur and educator, Leaky Tang, she's based in Paris. We're going to talk with her about how she helps entrepreneurs to grow their business while contributing to a sustainable, more inclusive society. And we're going to talk to Melanie Curtis, who was doing something totally else and then decided she wanted to be a professional skydiver. And so she became it. So now she's a skydiver, life coach, author. She's got a brand new book out called How to Fly. And we're going to talk about that. But how cool is that? It's like one day you're like in finance and the next day you're a pro skydiver. I love that it's a mix of fashion and skydiving today. I mean, you want to look good a, when you skydive. Maybe there's a crossover. <laughs> She's skydived in a bikini before. Mel has, so there is like a fashion element in certain jumps. Love I'm going to earn a yellow card before the credits. You should. Hi everyone, Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, welcoming you to the Backpack Show. Your hosts, Chris Brogan, Kerry Gargone, Boom Shakalaka. Backpack Show. I wouldn't wear a bikini like doing nothing nor like and you know, you know what I mean, just normally. So. Walking around on the ground. <laughs> it I sure think. wouldn't jump. I mean, it's not like she does it regularly. I just mean like certain jumps they do stuff. Look, I had a late start to my day. I woke up pretty late <laughs> and I, I like read out here and talk about the energy you gotta come up with for um fashion in Paris and a skydiver. And I just realized I left my AC on. <sighs> well go turn it off. I'll go turn it off. Hey, there it is. <laughs> jets taking off to do skydiving. The kettle's on. The kettle's on. So before we get started with our guests, I want to tell you that we are sponsored by castos.com. If you don't want to look at our faces, you'd rather listen to an audio podcast or you want to have an audio podcast of your own. Castos.com hosts your audio files and syndicates them to all the places. They make it stupid easy. So check them out. If you want to make a video show, get your own fashion entrepreneur and your own skydiver, but you can do everything else we do by going to cbrogan.me slash streamyard. Quack. Super breezy. You stop making it duck noises. That duck does not make that sound. Not like that. <laughs> so let's talk to someone. Who's coming first? Oh, that's a great question. I want to talk to Leaky Tang because I have a lot of fashion questions. So Yes, I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> You're out there in Paris. <laughs> Telling the fashion, you, oh, by the way, don't think I didn't get the joke. <laughs> I know you got it. Rolling right over. But look at this. This is my this is my Cuban style uh, bluish shirt. What do you think? Is this good or not good? Uh, I'm not giving fashion advice. I'm in fashion business, so I'm not a fashion. I mean, I, I know what's good fashion looks like, mm. but you know, it's up to you, really. So, Leaky, is this it? <laughs> so. <laughs> I was reading your blog, and one of the things I noticed is that you're also helping people understand 
the the business around the industry as well. And so yeah. I want to know what made you start to feel comfortable talking about that, and how do you how do you feel like when when you're sharing with people how to make their business better, how do you feel confident giving that advice? What made me um, start doing it is that. I am a fashion business founder or entrepreneur myself, and um, and actually before I started this, I was I started getting into this industry. I was a consultant and working in an investment bank, so I have the whole background in in uh, management and um, and finance, and. Um, and actually, one of the things uh, when I was growing my business, one of the things I was doing was to help other founders, um, entrepreneurs uh, in incubation program, because it was a way for me to be less stressed about my own stress. You know, it was a way for me to outsource my or, or no, to have another outlet for me to project the stress, get, getting interested in uh, other people's you know, uh, businesses. And uh, when I sold my business a couple of years ago, um, what happened is that you know, someone said, oh, you know, we're starting this program and we're looking for fashion business, co uh, fashion business coaches. And do you want to do that? And I thought, hmm, yeah, I really enjoyed you know, my work, my role as a coach for other business founders. Why not do that? And that's how the whole thing started, uh, very organically. And so... Um, I'm not a coach because I've never trained as a coach, but um, I enjoy helping people. <laughs> I enjoy, you know, um, seeing them make progress. So I don't know if I'm a good coach or not, but I have some experience. I like people and um, yeah. Chris still doesn't know, right? <laughs> and you still coach. Jeez, I, I, I <laughs> coach, but I don't know anything. Uh, you know, when you say that you came through this through investment banking, though, I mean that's a very different lens, right? I mean that's an that's an important lens that I'm sure a lot of fashionista businesses don't really start with. They start with I've got a flair for cutting things, or boy, do I know color. And you're saying, yeah, but like you need to source things, you need to have a process, you need to not pollute the planet, you know, because part of your thing is mindfulness. When you bring so much of that to get to to bear. How do people respond to that? Because as you say, you know, you weren't, you know, you weren't setting up shows for the runway per se, but yeah. you've got lots of advice for those sorts of people around the business. How, how do you have those conversations and, and how open are people in those industries to talk with you about that? Well, uh, if they want to get help, they need to be open to start with. Um, and for me, a fashion business, and um, a sustainable business, any kind of business is a business after all. So you have to learn the fundamentals and to get a very good understanding of the fundamentals of business. And then if you bring the um, the sustainability issue or, um, or the ethical issue or the conscious issue, all these kind of issues is about uh, the, the base, the it's about creating a change in society or in the world or in the future or in the industry. And the approach, there are many different approaches. And there's no one, you know, one size fits all kind of approach. And, uh, but everybody who's involved in this kind of approach wants to see things done differently. And so I start asking questions, you know, what, actually one of the funny thing I like to do is like, uh, what is the ideal world you want your children to live in? And we start from there, you know. Uh, so is do you think that your business is reflecting 
what the vision of the world you want to see. And um, so, and how would it, how, what do you need to change in your current business to get to take you to that vision? And then I add a little bit of, uh, you know, of uh, my experience in, in finance, in management and in sales and all that. And, um, and yeah, it starts from that. I just want to put a little highlighter. I'll let Carrie talk, I promise. Um, I want to put a little highlighter on what you just said, though. Does your business reflect the vision of the world you want to see? That's a question people don't ask a lot. That's a, I, I, in some circles, you hear that a bunch. In, a, in other circles, no one hears it. So I just wonder how people react when they hear that question. And, and uh, I'm curious to know what else, where do you go from there? Um, how do, well, actually, um, they're very surprised because the, the, there's no kind of question they expect to hear from a business coach. You know, a business coach will be focused. Okay, we need to enter that market. We need to grow that way. And, um, and so, yeah, they're very surprised and they feel that is something important happening. And um, there's a chance for them to really be themselves. And, um, and they feel heard, you know. They feel finally heard, understand, because I believe that a lot of people have created business because they want to be in um, in charge of their own future and the future of the communities. Uh, but it's it's so it's it's not that part of the business of um, of uh, of companies that we put forward. So people sometimes forget about it and they feel really hurt when I ask them this kind of question. Another question I'll ask them and which is uh, um, which is pretty much linked to your show is, you know, can you tell me about your definition of success? And that is fascinating. When you ask them, what's your definition of success? And in the fashion world, I mean, in, in business world, is like, oh, how much sales I've done or how much shops I've opened or, uh, oh, I'm at the cover of this of this magazine or I am selling in, I know uh, if, um, I don't know if uh, Neiman Marcus is still, is still around, but, uh, you know, these big department stores. And so that is, you know, the industry standard of success. But then I go and ask them a deeper uh, question is what is real success means to you and how would you define success in your business? And that's, you know, that's, that's get them excited and seen, feel they feel seen and heard and um, yeah. I wonder if it's difficult and you can tell me to get people to change their focus from improving their world to improving the world because there's a difference, right? Everybody wants to make things just so. A lot of times that's why entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs. They want to run their business the way they want to run their business. But to take their focus from themselves and their existence to society as a whole, like how, how does that transition work? Or do you just attract the kind of clients who do want to make something happen for the world at large, kind of? Um, I'm not trying to convince people. Uh, so yeah, I think I kind of uh, attract those kind of people. But then sometimes when you start talking to someone, you realize that there's something that is um, that is uh, that is there, but they don't feel that they're allowed to express that uh, you know that willingness that that they want to go into that direction, and you know everything has a ripple effect. So when you start something, uh, it's when you do something for your world, it will ripple to the out 
oh, in, in ripple, ripple outside of the world, you know, the 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 the, uh, the frontier of your work. So it's um when you start doing create some kind of a change in your world in your community, eventually it will ripple outside of that. Is that? Yes. So I was thinking. So how do you know somebody is or isn't the right person to work with you? Like how do you? sort of gently redirect people who maybe aren't ready to make the kinds of changes you're talking about? Oh, um, how do I know? Um, one thing I'm, 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 I believe that there things needs to be said. And I ask very frankly, you know, uh, are you doing it because you really believe in it? Is it really your vision? Or you do want to do that because, um, because, you see it as a marketing opportunity because now it is a marketing opportunity. And so I'm, I'm very direct. And, and um, if not, you know, it, if, if you're not this kind of person who really wants to create change with your business, won't be able to succeed. That's it. Because so you have to be very, um, very, you have to be crystal clear about what you want to create and how it is translated in the operations of your own business and how you want to show up to the show show, show up to the world and communicate um, to the rest of the world. So it's not something you can fake. It's uh, a rare opportunity to talk to someone who comes in from the world of investment banking because one of the notes that I'd said to Carrie backstage is, you know, one thing I think of when I think of investment banking people, they don't play. Like it's, um, I always joke in business that there, as an entrepreneur, I'm like a mess maker. I, I'm, I'm there to destroy things and tear things open and, and try new paths that don't exist. But investment bankers are looking for formulas and they're looking for setup and they're looking for, I need a multiple. If I'm going to give you this, I need this back. Um, and, but what I saw through your podcast is, I mean, you're going after people who uh, exchange cork for leather. You know, you're going after people who turn plastic bags into clothes. And these are these are not uh, the the purview of, you know, your previous roles. So I'm curious to know how you find these people for your podcast and uh, how much of it how much of it is like you, you've turned on a light. So now people know where to come for this kind of talk or how much is leaky going on and finding all the people. Um, it's really me finding those people. I'm actually quite selective about the people I want to have on my podcast. And uh, there are people that say, oh, can I be on your podcast? But I say, I really, I'm always looking for the very edgy people. And uh, because I really believe that, um, that, you know, the, the new thing or the real change will come from people that are going they're not doing the mainstream thing and uh so i'm really interested in people that are you know trying to to play with the boundaries of different um disciplines like you know i recently talked to a olympian uh last week and i just find it fascinating you know because uh, i was i was trying to understand how um how the 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 uh how the rules or the the uh, mindset of of sports can apply to business. I I just find it fascinating. And, you know, this is the whole, yeah, this is why I really love. It's drawing uh, insight from different, uh, from another, you know, industry or kind of, um, uh, kind of a work environment and see how it could be applied uh, to 
and it's how you create new things and how you like an intersection yeah the intersection yes totally yeah and uh so and why I well, why I transitioned, but you didn't ask me that. But I, I, I want to tell but you. you answer it. <laughs> no, no, no. But how? No, how did I transition from you know investment banking to fashion? Is that um, I was uh, I well actually I wanted to please my parents, especially my mother, <laughs> because you know being an investment banker was safe. You know it's a very safe job, and uh, but the truth is I didn't like it. I really, really, really didn't like it. And um, so I resigned a couple of times, uh, three times from a banking job, which is unheard of. <laughs> uh, because, you know, it's really the kind of, you know, career choice that you and you will stay for the rest of your life. And I just couldn't do it. I tried three different uh, banks, but I just couldn't. And um, so I wanted to... At one stage, I thought, okay, and now I want to go back to university and um, learn and study something that um, that will help me for the rest of my life. You know, I had all these grand ideas and, uh, and vision, and um, so it was early two thousand, and um, and I thought, oh, okay, environment and sustainable development sounds fun. Yeah, so I started getting interested in these topics, and I, you know. I went to do a master in environment and sustainable development, which was fantastic, really, because it was it was mind blowing. Because at that time, no one was really talking about this, and um, so nobody understood what I was doing. And I was I didn't really understand what I was doing, but I just. <laughs> it was just it just sounded something the right thing to do. And the oldest people I met through this. Through this, um, through this masters are fantastic people. I would never had a chance to meet if I didn't do that. And so, it all started from there. Is okay. Um, yeah, I didn't like my job. I wanted to find something new and interesting. And when I got um, when I graduated from my job, and um, I thought, okay, what can I do? Um, I can preach, you know, corporate social responsibility. That was the thing, you know, that was the thing that was the, the remotely close to what I could do. You know, I have some background, a background in business and I just have these fresh ideas. And uh, but at that time, no one wanted to hear from me, especially <laughs> because those are the things that are very scary. And uh, and so and they sound expensive when you tell businesses you have to do things differently. No, yeah, yeah, it sounded expensive, but oh, well, I was still young and naive at the time, so. <laughs> um, you made but... it work. <laughs> you made it work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You have to tell people, like, things that they ne don't necessarily want to hear, but no. that's, you know, important for them to achieve their goals. Coach says most people looking to be coached want to be heard and figure out their vision for themselves and their business. So basically you say, interesting, $150 fleet. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I'm telling you, you, you need to change the way you're working because I was very naive and I say, okay, uh, let's start with the big companies. So I, you know, I call up the big companies. They said, oh, well, that's very refreshing. You know, oh, we have a, we have a financial report. If you can help, help us draft something, you know, but it's, yeah, well, but it's not what we do. It's not, it's not change. It doesn't change. It's just communication that, that is not real change. And, uh, and little by little, I understood that if I really want to make um create change with the business i have to be my 
own business owner and um and yeah so create my own business and um and why fashion i mean that's that's a very long story it just it just happened and it just um, happened it just happened so <laughs> it's, it's it's a very long story but it's it just happened and i just and uh, it's very international um, from both sides, from the supply side and also from the sales side. So it's um, it's very globalized, uh, very global business. So which gives yeah. you a big view of the whole the whole side of it. Yeah. Leaky Tang, we have three thousand and six other questions, <laughs> but we ran out of time, so oh. we have to put you in hold. But don't you go away. Go backstage, but don't go away because we're going to ask you a couple panel questions a little bit later. But mm. don't go anywhere. Thank you so much. That was. So Elizabeth says, we can't live our lives pleasing our parents. And Leaky has a lot of courage to break culture. That's change in itself. Well, come on. Everybody knows that culture has nothing to, you know, about parent pleasing in it. Oh, my gosh. I'm Irish Catholic, and there's plenty of parent pleasing in my oh, background. I think it's so. everybody's culture. <laughs> yep. um, hey, want your own domain? Hey. <laughs> you can get your dot .online domain. Cbrogan.me slash online. Use the code Chris, all caps. You can get a domain, dot .online domain for $1 for the first year. Why is it all caps? I say it every time. I don't Do they know. give another Chris? Like your lowercase Chris. That's your try name. it. I don't know. Try it. <laughs> hey, want to try a different search engine and stick it to the man? Go to presearch.com. I looked up research to look up Leaky's information, and it worked really great. Presearch.com. Give it a try after this. You will be surprised. Hey. <clears throat> I love saying hey. We're hey, sponsored. Look. <laughs> By my pal Mitch Jackson, who owns evidently both streaming streaminglawyer.com and streaming.lawyer talk about Shut unique up. domains. So he told me yesterday, he goes, It'd be better if you gave me gave out streaming.lawyer. And I said, Oh. And then I went to it and it's the same website. Yes. So go to streaming.lawyer. It's at least 18% better than streaminglawyer.com. But does he have an online domain? Oh, Mitch has all the domains. Mitch, he doesn't have an online yet, but he should. Mitch is, uh, you know, I'll tell you this about Mitch. He's the number one leading trial attorney in California. He is also absolutely at the bleeding edge of all technology. Like he was a Google Glass guy. He was a drone guy. He was a drone wearing They had Google that Glass. Google Glass thing work out for him. You know, you got you to <laughs> fall off a bunch of cliffs. You got to fall off a bunch of cliffs. So go to oh, uh, streaming.lawyer. He's one of our sponsors. And listen. Just like falling off cliffs, now we can talk about falling out of planes. <laughs> Coach Woodard says, my kids didn't get the pleasing parents, Gene. You think so, but just wait. I'm Lucky. Sure yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's grab our own Melanie Curtis. Hello. <laughs> yeah, team. Good How morning. are you? <laughs> I'm awesome. I'm stoked to be here. Yes. So this is Carrie's fault you're on. She said, you know what? I want to find someone who falls out of planes a lot. So actually, we met through Dory Clark, who we're going yes. to have on the show I think, in September. Right. She's written some ton of amazing books and everything. I went to dinner at Dory's house and she's like, I will just get all these amazing, brilliant women here and then also invite Carrie. So I got to go and I met Mel there and a bunch of other people. And I was like, oh, my God. I want to yeah, that was that. an amazing dinner. God, that Everybody was a while ago. Here more. Yeah, that was like pre-pandemic, obviously. Pre-COVID. So. Yeah, and since then I've been like, I need to get her on the show, and now finally you caved. So very excited. I love the uh, the cons the conspiring to to make this happen. Yeah. Well, what should we start with? I don't even know where to start. So let's see. You're in finance, and then you think you know what I'd really <laughs> like to do is jump yeah, out of planes for a living. I was actually <laughs> listening to Leaky. I was. In, it was so cool that there were a lot of touch points in her story that are actually parallel with mine, which is 
interesting because I think that's so fascinating how we can see ourselves in each other's stories. And that's like such a huge part of what I, why I write, why I'm a public person at all. Like why I put myself out there, things like that is that I'm a believer in this notion of courageous self-expression as avenue to contribution to others, the world and ourselves. So like, that's a big, big underpinning of, of what I do, but the investment banking thing. Yeah. That was the same sort of thing where I, went the traditional path. You know, I went to college, Middlebury College, did really well and was searching for a creative career. I actually applied to a number of different marketing jobs in New York City and they just paid so poorly. I didn't know how I would be able to survive in New York City with that type of salary. And weirdly enough, my boyfriend at the time, his sister worked at this new branch of DLJ. So I interviewed and I really liked the the bosses that I was going to be working with. And so that was why I took that job. And I'm ultimately so grateful that I have that corporate experience because it's underpinned how I've been able to evolve as an entrepreneur, but also it totally paid for me to be able to compete at the high levels in skydiving when I was first starting out in the sport. But you always knew you were going to be huge. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Carrie's talking about a story in my Audible book where I'm young and drunk and telling the basically best skydiver in history that I'm going to be like, like him, that I'm going to be the best. And Oh my God, I I was young and very ambitious and also in the light of day, quite shy and insecure. And you had to get to work on that confidence problem. Yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) So uh, what did the forgetful skydiver say just after he jumped out of the plane? Sorry? What did the forgetful skydiver say just after he jumped out of the plane? Oh, Uh, shoot. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Oh, boy. Christopher. Bad jokes are my favorite. Well, that's the only kind he's got. You're in luck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Leslie, are- Leslie, who I went to school with in uh, grade school and has been friends ever since, she's a jump out of the plane kind of person. She's afflicted with the same mental illness that you have. <clears throat> so I like her. Maybe not 11,000 times, but, you know. That's good. What's professional skydiving, by the way? Help me out of that. Because, you know, in my head, you know what I think is? I've landed. That's the profession. Like, <laughs> like, what, what, what is, what am I missing in this, in the sport? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, I was exposed to skydiving at a really young age. My dad is a pilot. And so I was, I grew up around aviation my whole life. My first flight was when I was three months old. And when I was, I think around eight or 10 or something like that, my dad and his best friend basically opened a skydiving center at our house. So we, we live on a dead end road. There's a grass strip behind my house. My dad still flies out of there today. I'd literally just jumped at my house the other day out of my dad's plane as like this really beautiful (laughs) completing of a store. It was wonderful, but that's how I was exposed to skydiving and to this even being a possibility to do as something for fun, much less something for a career. But for me, it was, people say this a lot. I could never jump out of a perfectly good airplane. I could never (laughs) jump out of a perfectly good airplane, right? You hear that all the time. I can test that the thing that's missing off the end of that sentence is like, and live, 
You know, like there, there's this fear, genuine, understandable fear of death around jumping out of an airplane. And it, it talks, it speaks to the feeling of fear that we have when we're facing something that we feel like we're not going to survive. And the interesting thing is that shows up in so many different areas of life. I felt nervous in the green room before coming on this show because you're being seen, you're being heard. It's, it's so much the same feeling. So relative to my first jump, go up and I, I could tell that story, but when I jumped out of the airplane for the first time and I landed and I was alive and I was and I didn't even have conscious awareness to this at this point in my life because I was 18 years old. Didn't say that I was 18. So as an 18 year old person, I land. I'm not dead. And forever, my my psyche was really impacted by that. So it's not the super cliche life coach, you can do anything, right? Because that's oh, so annoying. Hashtag life coach kind of bothers me. But I like to speak to it because it's not about that you can do anything. It's that when fear tries to stop you and get in your way, you have to at least question whether it's accurate or not. I, can, I can't jump out of a perfectly good airplane. I know that's not true because I've done it. You know what I mean? So that's a way to challenge ourselves anytime our, our brain or limiting thoughts start to get in our way about what we want to do. Yeah, but I also, I'm pretty sure I can't punch a great white shark in the face. I'm <laughs> Fair. pretty sure. And I don't, I don't want to test that one. I don't want to go to the Great Barrier Reef, get in the cage and be like, here we go, sharky. Like, I know I don't want to do that. Yep. Um, I want to. I want to switch. I didn't have a really follow up to that, but I was looking at your. I just want to page. say that. I just want to say that. <laughs> I, I, this poor lady in the front row. I thought you were wearing a hula skirt. I thought you had like a grass hula skirt. So I just I say that, that right off the That's bat. That's another one you didn't have a question about. You just felt like you. Had I just to wanted to point it. that out too. Okay. I would wear that no, for sure. But- Listen, so I want to. I want to <laughs> say something that sounds combative, but it isn't. But there's such a there's such a cliche farm around, you know, brave and do it and just jump out of planes and you've done it. You must, after that many jumps, have found systems. You must have found things people can really take with them as tangible as a shoot. Yeah. Are you Uh, asking for a framework, Christopher? Not for the backpack, I'm not. But, you know, (laughs) a little ahead of it, I wouldn't mind hearing a couple of thoughts like that. Yeah, the cliche of being brave is again, kind of annoying if you don't, if you're not connecting to it, you know what I mean? It's, it's all about, I think, understanding that we as humans all feel that kind of anxiety when we're facing something that we either haven't done, that we care about, that we don't know how to do, you know, there's lots of, it's not just jumping out of an airplane or whatever, but I could, there's tons of this in the realm of, competition. You know, I'm not no longer afraid of jumping out of an airplane, but now I I really care about doing well for my teammates. I really care about remembering the sequence in competition and and doing my best in those 35 seconds. It's in the realm of relationships. I really care about being seen and heard and known. But how do I do that? Oh, I have to actually be out in my relationships as the person that I am. I care about being an entrepreneur or building a business or being a creative person or an artist in the world in some way that requires something, you know? And so it calls us to looking 
at what it is for each of us. You know what I mean? So I could care less if people go skydiving. I think it has a profound power to potentially help people to get out of their own way. But it's certainly not the only way to do that, nor would I ever say it is. My good friend who passed away in October 2019 was really afraid of heights and Mm -hmm. went skydiving to overcome it. Cool. Yeah, she was like zero to 100. Oh, yeah. There was no step ladder by the window or anything. It's it's a thing. It's a thing. But like, it could be anything. Again, that's the thing. That's why I call people to go, what is it for you? I, I ask that. And it's not from a cliche perspective. I really invite people to think about that, that question. I'm a little like Cody. I just, you know, I think of it every night. I was on a wobbly flight back from Vegas to Boston and I didn't, I, I'm not a nervous flyer. Like I'm like, whatever, if this crashes, it'll be a good story. Um, I got but, seated next to someone who said she was bringing a whole bunch of raw meat back from Africa. Well, there you and go. And she was a strange other, apart from that strange person. Nice. And uh, yeah, about, I think we were probably like getting close to Iceland and I thought I might, I might jump. Given the opportunity, (laughs) (laughs) if switching seats is not an option. And in my case, it was a red eye flight and this nervous flyer just kept wobbling and shaking and moving. And I was like, if you just if you stopped, I could actually maybe rest. And I thought maybe I could help him out of the plane. Um, in, in this process, you've, you know, you've written a book, you've, you've books and, um, you've, you've done all this stuff. You, you really kind of put a business around it. It's kind of a weird business. Like, you know, I can't imagine you on the swing set at age. Well, maybe you were, cause in three months you were in a stupid airplane, but I was going to say, I can't imagine you on the swing set saying, I'm pretty sure I could sustain my life out of flying out of planes. How did, oh, yeah. how did that come about? Like, how do you make it into a business? And, and what were some of the stumbles you had on ground as you were waiting? Yeah. To up? Well, it, I didn't necessarily think that this would be my life. You know, I think there's so many, there's so much juice and goodness in the unknown, in the parts that we can't predict. Now, when I left investment banking and I went into skydiving professionally, I, I ran a drop zone in Southern California. And that's where my sort of skydiving, where my skydiving, I don't know, just notoriety or, or where people started to know me in the sport because I was competing and all this. My entrepreneurial life didn't really begin until I left that place and decided to begin taking opportunities to travel around the world, coaching as a professional skydiver, getting inv- invited to events. At the same time, though, I was I had had this moment of a, a, an epiphany, but not even like a big one. It was just like an aha moment where I was walking across the drop zone one day. And I remember this vividly. I, it was I was walking across the gravel driveway and my intuition just was like, hey you know, like something really small, no Mack truck moment. And it basically was like, I knew that if professional skydiving in this form was all that I did, I knew I wouldn't be happy. And I had already at that point in my life just started to touch the realm of personal development and personal healing and that type of of lane. And so long story short, I found life coaching. And so my entrepreneurial path began when I was, my skydiving career was I'm traveling the world, doing all these things all over, meeting a million people while I'm on the other side, also building and bootstrapping my life coaching business 
at the same time with the goal of making that my sole, uh, sole income stream. Now I got there and I did that. And I, I can't let any interview about my book or just my public presence or myself go without saying that there is serious breakdown and, and, necessity to look into the darkest corners of our own hearts and psyches in order to really level up in the ways that we want to. Like those parts are so, so critical. I work with a lot of startup founders as a life coach now. I work with a lot of type A men and women looking to really level up, whatever that might mean. And the, the interesting part about that is that always inevitably ends up looking into those emotional places we don't want to look into. And so that, if we talk about being brave, ha ha ha, jumping out of an airplane, the, I really contest that one of the bravest things we can do is to be willing to get professionals that will help us do that deep work. That is the only way I've been able to contribute to the world in elevated forms. Now, like you've been flashing the websites and stuff like highlight skydiving, women's skydiving network. Those are all basically now using skydiving as a vehicle to champion equality, to talk about inclusion, to talk about equity and diversity in, and what those buzzwords mean. But there's no way I could have accessed that conversation or been a leader as a voice about this without doing my own deep work to clear the stuff that was in my way. So your book is an audio book now. It's available on audible.com. And you can hear, there's so much to it for me for hearing you deliver your material. I've said it over and over again. How fun was that to read your own book? Or were you like, <laughs> I hate this so much? <laughs> it's It was actually so much. It, you'll hear it at the end. I talk about this at the very end about the Audible book. But it's so much the masochism of writing the stuff in the first place is is bigger like the actual initial writing is harder than the audible performing quote unquote but the funniest thing i i thought about that was i had to read stuff that i wrote in like 2010 or in 2012 as if i had just written it and were you like oh <laughs> my some, god <laughs> there are some cringeworthy moments for me but I love that as people listen to the Audible book, they really will get the experience of my evolution as a skydiver, as a professional skydiver, as a person, and, and like that's a writer and as a person. It's it's really, it's I'm very proud of it. Yeah, don't skip the awkward phase. Listen right through. <laughs> can't You can't skip the awkward phase. Oh, my God. <laughs> When I was looking at your uh, your site for your team uh, and and the highlight skydiving, one of the things I noticed is that there's a variety of ages, there's a variety of body types, there are a variety of people getting into that, and I really enjoyed seeing that. Um, one question I have is, how do you put together that team? How do you assemble the people you get? Yeah, that's a great question. It's difficult because skydiving 
you need a certain level of skill. You need a pro rating. You need a professional level of skill to be on a demonstration jump team. So yeah, Highlight, we care very much about being inclusive in all the ways that we can and championing and inspiring women in the sport to grow in the skills such that we can invite new members over time to be a part of that. But what Highlight does in it, in short, is we do demonstration jumps. We're supported by the foundation, the Women's Skydiving Network Foundation. And we partner with organizations that are elevating women and talking about things like equality, really championing equality, equal pay, and equity and inclusion in all forms. Cool. Very cool. Uh, Leslie had a question. Any particular favorite place that you've been skydiving? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. It's difficult to really choose because I hate to totally choose. But if I had to, it would be jumping over the Great Pyramids in Egypt. That was absolutely completely phenomenal. I had over 10,000 jumps at the time when I did that jump. And it still blew my mind that we could be in such a place like flying, literally flying right next to the middle pyramid. I, I, I just can't, I can't even, I still, it just blows my mind so much. And the coolest thing about that is the only reason I was able to do that is because I had a skill set that I worked over time to earn. You know what I mean? And so that's sort of in the realm of life coaching as well, is that like, we can earn a skill set in the realm of skydiving. We can earn a skill set in the realm of conversation. We can earn a skill set in the realm of writing. We can earn a skill set in the realm of doing these kinds of interviews. We can, so that like all of this is accessible to us. We just have to sort of figure out ways to, to start and ways to keep going and, and mentors to have help us along the way. Well, I'm, I'm here for it for sure. So we're yeah. getting near the end of the show. We got to grab in Leaky Tang, but yeah. wow. So uh, Leaky, one of the things I was thinking when we were talking to Melanie is that you both oddly, like we don't mix the shows together on purpose ever. We just randomly pick our two guests or whatever. But you both came from banking. Uh, is the real lesson in here that banking's awful and boring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so bad you'll do anything. <laughs> it depends I, I on how you want Sticking it to the man. <laughs> it depends on how you want to live your life. So clearly not on a desk is what Melanie said. Not yeah, on the ground. Well, to each their own. <laughs> if someone's happy doing that, more power to them. Full support. No judgment. Speaking of full support, can we talk about skydiving in a bikini for just a second? Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is where fashion and skydiving yeah, come together. Yeah, the irony. I was, as you guys were talking, <laughs> the irony about that is, uh, yeah, back in the day, I did a jump. I did a demonstration jump into Dodger Stadium wearing a bathing suit for uh, like Camp, uh, not Camp uh, Vegas marketing. It was a marketing stunt. That's a lot of, of that's a lot of what demonstration jumps have been is our marketing stunts. I've done T-Mobile stunts. We've done Fantastic Four. There's a bunch of different stunts we've done. And that's why it's so exciting now to be using skydiving as a vehicle for elevated messages and inclusion. Can I ask you a question? What's the temperature up there? It depends on the day. If it's oh. cold on the ground, it's even colder up there. Oof. If it's warm <laughs> on the ground, it's it's cold up there, but it's fine. Well, that's a great question because in one's bathing suit, you know, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of wind shear and things. Going yeah. 
Well, for demonstration jumps, you get out lower. But don't, you don't the need to go straps, up high. Like chafe or something. I mean, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, we were wearing like you know, we were wearing pantyhose and stuff like that. It was it was okay, but the irony of talking about exploiting women <laughs> that oh, certainly right. was a story that in my past that showcases that i mean we were even on the i don't know good morning la show wearing the bikinis the next morning it was oh, like oh, oh my yeah. god i would literally never do that now uh well did Crazy. you have any interest in olympic uh what's it called handball yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> no seriously it's so relevant for the conversation right now Cody says Brogan should do that stunt for the backpack show. I agree. Let's get him a bikini. <laughs> uh, how do you know I'm not wearing one now? <laughs> Leslie says, I don't believe 14,000 feet in Maine is ever bathing suit weather. <laughs> I don't think Maine is ever bathing suit weather, but you know, <laughs> it's like a fur bathing suit, being like the kind there. Santa would wear. Santa's bathing yeah, suit. Like that. that sounds like a band. All right. <laughs> Well, we have come to that part of the show where we have to do a couple things. So we have to uh, do this. Oh, and here's our person of the day. Kaboom! Um, I could say that no one was absolutely uh, more interested in having skydiving conversations than Leslie, who's heading towards her fourth. So we're going to give her the person of the day. Uh, Leaky, I can't get over all the stuff that you shared. There was just so much. And I, I feel like... I feel like I need a few more episodes, but we'll get there. But, you know, the both of you are just jam-packed with stuff. So here's what we got to do. We got to leave. So we're going to do this. I'm going to ask you a question, and it cannot be a parachute. What goes <laughs> in your backpack? Now, this could be something physical. It could be something metaphorical. Carrie, what's an example of something physical that we could stick in the backpack? Mm, extra set of teeth. An extra set of teeth might be very useful. You just never know. Right. Um, and how about something metaphorical? What's anything come to mind? Kindness. Oh, that's probably a good one. Kindness. Leaky Tang, what do you think we need to add to the backpack for success for the next couple of years in your mindset? Um, and I will be very greedy. I want to have three things uh, in okay. my backpack. And so the first one is audacity. audacity. Because you, audacity. The second thing is benevolence. And the third thing is grit. Grit, yes. Oh my yes. gosh, that's a that's a trio. Yeah, audacity, benevolence, and grit. That those are a, mighty big words. That's huge. Which has many implications. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not tiny, Melanie Curtis. What goes in the backpack for you? Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, we've talked a lot about being brave and all of that. I think what I would put in the backpack, because people have asked me the question, what would you tell your 10-year-old self or something like that? And my answer is always, I would tell her it, it's going to be okay. So mm -hmm. I would put encouragement because like, it's very difficult to be brave if we don't feel safe and supported and encouraged by the people that we love in our lives. So I would say encouragement and support. I like it. I like it. Well, not my grandmother, <clears throat> but my grandfather has uh, two up in the air stories I could share. One is that he flew in a uh, biplane. And I thought for sure on that day, this like old timey World War One biplane, I thought for sure he was going to go down. And the second was he was in a hot air balloon and I got to be ground crew. And the really exciting part about that, the one crazy part of the hot air balloon is, you know, you can't exactly control where they go. Mm -hmm. So there was a little challenge. And then... Uh, <laughs> 